Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. We want to understand what it is that you want in our lives. And Father, we want to understand um, how we can proceed with you the most efficiently. Lord, we surrender our lives to you, our hearts and our minds, and we say, Father, please change in us what does not please you. And Father, please bless us now with the Holy Spirit to guide and lead our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. We, we've been contacted by multiple countries, actually, and we speak largely on, on the subject of music and sacred worship, but I did a short, very short version of this, just a two-message version, and it got out there apparently on the internet, and we've had different countries now starting to call and say, come, please, and talk on the subject. In fact, uh, the end of this year, we'll be in New Zealand and then on, in Australia talking on the subject. And so it's, it's become near and dear to our heart, and specifically because we see it as another distraction, talking about social media, the internet, it's, it can be a, become a distraction in our life if we're not careful. And we don't want to be distracted from our maker, Jesus Christ, amen? So today we're going to talk about specifically, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but I'm going to really build on it today. Unfortunately, we're not going to have time to go into the gaming aspect of things and the multiplayer uh, gaming systems and platforms that are out there. Um, in fact, we've discovered we have so much information, we're going to do a whole separate seminar on that. And so, uh, like I say, if you want to be aware of when that comes out, just stay in connection with us. So let's talk about the online community. And I, I phrased it that way specifically. Obviously, as we've seen, we live in an age where we are literally connected all the time. That's for most of us. Now more than ever, we are connecting through our smartphones, our tablets, our laptops, our home computers, and even our televisions using apps and social media. My concern is that we are settling for a terribly limited connection when what we really desire is true communion. I think that we as a people have largely lost what it means to commune, and we're going to really dive into that today. We're just seemingly okay with receiving a little bit of connection and unfortunately calling that communion. All of this networking has misled us into thinking that we have lots of friends complete with healthy relationships. I mean, after all, just look at your number on, on your Facebook, and it'll tell you how many friends you have. Unfortunately, some have replaced true quality friendships with superficial or meaningless quantity, not quality. Deep interpersonal communication and communion is what we need, even what we crave. From parent to child, we need this communion to be complete, joy-filled human beings. We all want to be connected. Frankly, that's what we, what we want. We want to be connected, communicating, communing with each other. We, we want to be understood. Parents and spouses, children, friends. We, we all want to be heard, and we all want to be understood. Neighbors, co-workers, church members, even God. Have you ever thought about that? Even God Himself desires us to understand Him and have communion with Him. He longs to commune with us. Effective 
meaningful communication is actually quite complex, like we talked about yesterday. Looking into the eyes of the person that we're communicating with and reading their body language and watching their facial expressions. This is where we have true communication and communion with one another. Listening to the intonations in their voice. And then what we do with this amazing mind that we have is we put it all together with what's actually being said, hoping that we can comprehend what they're trying to communicate to us. However, (laughs) effective communication has not always been a necessary, uh, excuse me, effective communication has always been a necessary component of strong human relationships. However, it's always proven to be a struggle for us people. And what we're finding is as we have this media platform that does not allow us to emote properly or to look at the faces of the people, but it's just text and words on a screen largely, we cannot interpret properly what people are saying. We can't read between those lines like we talked about yesterday when 93% of communication is nonverbal. It's the expressions, the body language, the intonations. If I say, I'm fine, I'm good, you can probably buy into, I'm probably fine. But if I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good, you know that means the opposite. And for us on social media, it's very difficult to know what's truly trying to be said. In today's digital social media world, We've settled for screen grabs, pictures, emojis, or emoticons, videos, and texts as a replacement for face-to-face meaningful communion with each other. Unfortunately, some people have replaced true quality friendships with superficial or meaningless quantity. It's just easier. I don't have to deal with people really this way. The problem is, The actual medium of social media is actually one of the problems. Perhaps you've heard of Professor Marshall McLuhan. And if you do any sort of research, you'll see his name pops up over and over and over again because he's largely referenced his body of work because he started studying media many, 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 many years ago. He's no longer with us, but his work lives on. And something that... Professor McLuhan coined a famous adage is, the medium is the message. His research hits right on target regarding social media, and there was no such thing as social media when he actually was doing his research. The medium is the message. Well, what does that mean? Meaning, in the long run, a medium's content matters less than the medium itself in influencing how we think or act. So in other words, the medium itself actually has the message. And indeed, that's the case. We started seeing that as we've gone through the last, I don't know, what's it been? We've been together like five hours already. And so the medium is the message, is meaning that the medium itself starts to change how we think and act. And that's what's been happening. A popular medium molds what we see, and how we see it. Is that what social media does? Oh, absolutely. It molds and shapes how we actually see it. 
And eventually, if we use it enough, it actually changes who we are as individuals and then ultimately as a society. It's true that the content we behold or generate will change us because after all, it's a, it's a universal message and, and uh, idiom that by beholding we are changed. And it's a Bible principle. You won't actually find that phrase in the Bible, but you will find that principle. If we look at things of the world and of the devil, we'll become more like that in our character. If we look at the things of God and we look at the things uh, of His character, we'll become more like God in our character. Right? Amen? So, of course, yes, the medium is the message, no question. But, of course, what we're beholding also changes us as well. So, it's a double-edged sword. But the medium actually changes how we think and act, as we've seen over the past few days together. So, what's interesting is that our thinking, and I shouldn't say maybe our thinking, the thinking in this current generation, the Gen Zers, right, those who were born from the mid-90s to the mid-2000s, their thinking has been changed little by little. And they don't even know that it's been changed because some of them were born into this whole social media environment and say they, they don't even know what it was like before. And even we, who are not the digital natives like these Gen Zers and, and, and later, but us digital immigrants, we are having our minds changed and the way that we interact with one another changed little by little. And many actually believe now that we can have meaningful, healthy relationships online. Is that possible? Based on what we've been studying over the last few days, you know that you cannot have a true relationship over the cyber network. Now, some people are trying, and they're trying really hard, but the reality is, at some point, you got to finally meet if you're going to carry a relationship further, and indeed, if it's going to be a real relationship, right? But this changing that's happening, our thinking is shifting. And it's just crazy to think that there's going to be yet a new generation, and they are already being techified, that there will be no shifting needed in their thinking. This will just be their virtual reality. So we think social media, like Facebook, it, it promises us uh, relationships and community. I mean, don't we all want to be part of a community? We do. That's really what's deeply seated in each one of us. The reality is that companies like Facebook have never promised us community. They never promised us that. But we have tried to turn it into something that it was never even designed for. All they've ever promised us was that they could connect us or network us with other people. That's far different than having community or communing with one another, right? That's just connection. Now, that's better than nothing, don't misunderstand me, but it can't be and ever will, it will never become what we all truly long for, true community. We as users have believed and propagated this online community idea, not the companies, although eventually they bought into it. 
It's quite the buzzword these days. And what we've done is to turn a simple online networking service into, let's just be honest, our new lazy way of developing so-called community. It's just easy. I mean, all I have to do is click a button to like you. Even the word like. I have to know you before I can like you. Amen? So it's just another cheap thing. Like, 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 like. Really? Have you even thought about who they are? Did you even research and find out who they're, what they're all about, what their, their thought processes are? Or are we just liking people to like people so hopefully they'll like us back? It's like crazy, right? It is. So it's, it's a mediocre community at best and ter- terribly limited. It's problematic and frankly it's dysfunctional at worst. Now, what's interesting is we have a friend of ours, and she told us, when we were starting to research this a number of years ago, she said, I, you know what, i got to just tell you something, because we were telling her some of the things that we found, and she says, I just, I just need to share something with you. She goes, she had to take a break from Facebook when she realized she was thinking in status updates. And if you're not a Facebooker, you don't know what a status update is. Basically, that is just tell people what's going on in your life at this point, right? Some people do it once or twice a day. Some people do it once a month. And some people do it 150 times a day, literally. So everything she was doing, she was structuring through the medium. Because the medium, remember, has its own message. The medium was changing how she was thinking. And so... The medium of Facebook was changing, in her mind, how she lived her day. So she would choose to do or not do something based on whether it would be a good post or not. There's a lot of people that are struggling with this. There's a lot of people that are struggling with this same exact issue. So she had to take a break from it because she said, my mind, I felt like my mind was being hijacked. Oh, wait a minute. We learned the other day that indeed our minds are being hijacked. Remember that? With all the addiction code it's called? Yeah. And this is far more common than you might think. Especially with our digital natives, our young people. You see, this generation of young people think that this is what community is. It's a foreign thought to them to actually go into their townships and actually do something for somebody else. That's what community was to us, right? To go to church and help pull the weeds and to go to church and to pray with other people. That's what community is to us, right? But we're digital immigrants, right? We're not the digital natives. So they, if we're not careful as parents and as a village to raise a child, amen, if we're not careful... We could just join right in with this new paradigm of what the world and social media is telling us is community. No, we need to have camp meetings. This is community. Amen. It breaks my heart that this place isn't just full and every class is full. We should have problems with people being able to house people on this campground. But it's easier now. You know what? 
I know people, actually, you can hear me right now because you're sitting in your trailer or in your motorhome or at your tent, and you can hear my voice right now. And it's just easier to not get up and walk 52 paces to come into the building. Why? What's happening? We're, we're starting to become this generation. We just want everything to be spoon-fed. And if I have to walk across campus, well, that's just asking too much. What happened, man? Our pioneers, our founders, they would walk for miles and miles and miles in poor weather just to get to church, to have community. Right? Man, we are fat and increased with goods and in need of nothing is what the Bible tells us. Man, I don't want that to be my testimony. I want to continue to be hungry for the Word of God. Hungry for communion. When's the last time you actually had communion in church? Some people don't even show up for that anymore. Why? Well, they know they need to confess and repent for all the junk they're doing. Which, before, it was a lot harder to access all the stuff because we didn't have it in our pockets on these smartphones that'll make you very spiritually dumb. Is anyone agreeing with what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. Excellent. So let's explore some of the promises that social media makes. Now, social media's promise number one. Media are amoral. Have you heard this? It doesn't matter what we use. It's how we use it or the content contained therein. So we've come to believe that how we communicate doesn't matter anymore, just as long as we're communicating, even if it's a yeah, high-tech version of a low form of communication. As long as we're communicating, we think that these various forms of media are neutral because I'm communicating and I'm supposed to communicate and I need to connect with other people. Indeed, we should be connecting and communicating with other people. But the problem is, is that social media tools, they're just simply not designed for us to have real communion with one another in communication. Let's read from a book entitled The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. Author Nicholas Carr writes, basically every, every medium has an inherent bias. In the end, we come to pretend that the technology itself does not matter. It's how we use it that matters, we tell ourselves. The implication, comforting in its hubris, is that we are in control. The technology is just a tool, inert until we pick it up and inert again once we set it aside. But friends, we learn that there is no such thing in technology as something being uh, non-biased or, or amoral. Why? why? What, do you remember why? What did we look at that proved that? We looked at many things, but one of them was the whole brain hijacking, right? And all of that, that addiction coding. Because, friends, it's no longer amoral. It's no longer just, just benign when there's a whole group of engineers on the other side that are paid very well to figure out how to keep us addicted to the medium itself. There's always some sort of, of inherent bias. Neil Postman, author of Amusing Ourselves to Death, writes, 
It has within its physical form a predisposition toward being used in certain ways and not others, talking about media. Only those who know nothing of the history of technology believe that a technology is entirely neutral. Each technology has an agenda of its own. So what is the social media bias or agenda? What is its agenda? Me! Is it not? Social media is about us, me, self, I. That's its bias. It was designed for me to self-promote. It was designed for me to put me out there. Our use of these social media are changing the world and how we interact with one another. Social media has created a social environment where we all live and breathe now. Maybe I shouldn't say all, but, but a lot. I had uh, a couple tell me yesterday that they have only those dumb phones. They don't have the smartphones. And I said, well, praise the Lord, you're probably smarter than us. Online social media is, I said, actually, your life is much more uh, peaceful, I'm sure, than ours. Online social media is now our preferred way of keeping our conversations go. Why? It's easier. I mean, I don't even have to dial a phone number. I could just start texting you because you texted me and then I just reply. It's less intimidating. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, page 94. If the thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. And the thoughts and feelings combined make up the moral character. When you decide that as Christians you are not required to restrain your thoughts and feelings, I'll, you know what? I can't believe what that guy posted. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Isn't that what happens? That's exactly what happens because we are much bolder behind our little screens. Right? Come out face to face. Yeah, you ain't going to say half of what you say when you're online face to face. When you decide that as Christians you are not required to restrain your thoughts and feelings, you are brought under the influence of Jesus. Is that what it says? No, friends. It says when we don't re restrain our thoughts and feelings, we are brought under the influence of evil angels. And we invite their presence and control. I, I believe that most of us, when we join social media and we got involved in these, these techie communities, these networking platforms, that we had some great intentions. In fact, we're careful with Shepherd's Call Ministry that we are careful with what we put out there. I mean, I'm not just telling you about, you know, everything in my life. I'm talking about spiritual things. The challenge is, over time, the medium starts to change our thinking, and before you know it, we're acting like people that are not surrendered to Jesus Christ anymore. After all, it's just a screen name, right? It's not really me, is it? I don't know. Is it? Is it not? We'll get into that a little bit. So I think what happens is we get imbued with this idea that we have to promote my opinion does matter and that, that everyone needs to hear me. And if they don't agree with me, well, then they're just wrong. And then we get this self rising up. And friends, I believe behind it is the influence of evil angels and the control and their presence. 
If you yield, she says, to your impressions and allow your thoughts to run in a channel of suspicion. Why did he write that? Wait a minute. What does that mean? Of doubt? Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe God didn't really create in that many days. I don't know. Maybe there isn't a Holy Spirit. All the stuff that starts to happen and you're repining, you will be among the most unhappy of mortals and your life will prove a failure. That's strong language. So when we, are, when we are engaging in this kind of conversation, it's not really even a great conversation, but when we're debating, and that's what's really going on many times, and we're having this, this conversation, to use a term, we start to find that it really doesn't bring a lot of joy to our life. Why? It can't. Why? It's a faulty medium for communicating and having true communion with each other. Since the very platform of social media is changing the way I think and I feel and imbuing me with thoughts and feelings, therefore, by definition, it is a very moral or immoral thing. Amen? You're not convinced. Wait a minute. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's reread this then because this is very important. All right. If the thoughts are wrong, the feelings will be wrong. So, does social media and all type of media influence our thoughts and feelings? Yes or no? Indeed it does. And the thoughts and feelings combined make up the moral character. So anything that shifts my thinking and my thoughts and my feelings, it's moral or immoral. It is not amoral. Amen? So one of the promises is social media is amoral. Technology is amoral. No. That's a lie of the devil. Because it's moving our thoughts and feelings. And my thoughts and feelings combined make up my moral character. So therefore, it is expressly moral or immoral. Making sense? I love truth. Social media. Promise number two. It's okay to make it all about you. That's really what they're selling. It's all about you. It doesn't matter. Never mind that never before in this world has there been such an easy way to promote ourselves. Have you thought about that? The digital natives think this is normal to promote yourself all the time because that's what they've grown up with. That's been the culture. Before this digital revolution, the only way to promote ourselves would be face-to-face with people, right? Or if you're a famous person, you might have articles written about you or be interviewed on TV or on radio. Or maybe they had posters promoting your event or whatever. That would be like the only way we could have like self-promoted, face-to-face or through these other media channels. Frankly, When we're face-to-face with one another, most of us feel a little strange talking about ourselves in conversation, right? Well, if you're part of the older generation, that is. The younger generation have no problem with self-promotion all the time. Why? That's what community is. That's how we do this now. Look at me, look at me, at me, 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 me. Where we're uncomfortable with it. Why? Because we're not the digital natives. We're the digital immigrants. Because before, if someone was walking around going, wow, look at this great picture of me. Isn't that amazing? 
You, what's wrong with that guy? What would you call that person? Look, look how amazing I am. Look at the grades I got. Look at my achievements in life. You'd think this guy's conceited. He's all about himself, right? Where now, that's what's happening 24-7 all the time. And this is the new normal. Me, me, me. The bias or agenda, like we talked about, of social media, it's all about me. What am I doing? What do I like? What's my opinion? After all, my opinion is the most important. Social media, it's a digital way to self-present through status updates, photos, and likes. YouTube's byline is broadcast yourself. It's all about self-promotion. The problem is now it's the most normal thing in the world to do, not the most healthy but the most normal thing to do in social media. We're not even asked for this information. We just consistently send premeditated information about ourselves to the world in an effort to paint a picture to the world or to our friends of how we want them to perceive us. Right? Proverbs 27.2 is very clear. Let another praise you and not your own mouth a stranger and not your own lips I mean that's clear right if I have to walk around praising myself there's a problem friends but isn't that what's going on isn't that what has become just normal and natural now what's happening the medium has a bias. The medium is the message, and the medium is saying, promote yourself. This is how you get ahead in life now. You have to be the funniest. You have to be the most handsome. You have to have the great comments and ideas and opinions. This is, so it's all about what I think while I don't surrender to God. So a false sense, listen to this, a false sense of importance is developing within all of our minds, especially the digital natives. And this is fostered. And usually, let's be honest, a false or virtual version of ourselves becomes our manufactured online reality. Do you see how twisted that is? To where... We actually start to believe many times that we are these people that we're presenting ourselves to be to the world, when many times it's a lie. In fact, I've seen it with my own eyes. We've had some Christian friends in the past that were on the verge of divorce. As Christians, as Seventh-day Adventists, multiple generation Adventists, who were really like looking like the cream of the crop. They're on the verge of divorce, watching rated R movies. Their child is struggling with serious emotional and mental issues. The father was a slave to internet pornography. The mother was on the verge of a mental breakdown. But when you read their constantly updated social media posts and their personal profile, they were the model Christian family. They had postured themselves very carefully. So I knew the reality because I was a personal friend 
having real communion with them. Amen? But to the rest of the world, the posture was, because we're talking like pornography, we're talking like, you know, maybe you shouldn't even be a mom right now because you're having like a nervous breakdown and we can help out the kids. You really need to get them into to, uh, some, some sort of therapy. And, and on the other side over here, it's like, isn't my husband amazing? We're, we're on divorce, but look at this. He brought me a flower today, which was contrived and thought about, bring me a flower today. I want to post it. Mom, super mom. Kids, amazing, spiritual. It was a facade. And this is what's happening, my friends. This is what's happening. Their postings were filled with lies. As Christians, at the end of time, do we really have time to be doing this? No, because there's a world that needs us and they need our faith community. That was a perfect time for a hearty amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So their postings were filled with these, these lies, these modifications to reality. And the problem is, when you're in this virtual reality long enough, we're going to look at this in just a moment, there becomes a blur between reality and virtual reality. And so you could tell yourself a lie off enough becomes a what? A truth, a reality. So that virtual fake reality you've created can actually become, you think everything's okay when it's all falling apart in the real world. This is, this is legitimately happening. It terrifies me. So their, their postings were filled with the life they wish they had. And I'm going to tell you, fake it till you make it is an absolute lie of the devil. God doesn't want you to fake it till you make it. He wants you to surrender so you can be victorious. Nothing about faking it. So their virtual selves were numbing. That's kind of, kind of a weird thing. Before, people, when they would want to numb their pain and numb the reality of their life, they would like run to drugs, which is bad, of course. They'd run to movies, and that's not healthy, and, and to music and different things. But now what's weird is they run to their virtual selves. That's so strange. Why? Because the medium is shifting how we're even thinking in our lives. Many amazing virtual lives are sadly real lives that are falling apart. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. It's been discovered that at least 25 uh, 4-in-1 posts on social media is a flat-out lie. 25%. So you can be guaranteed that it's a flat-out lie, a white lie, or a lie of omission. So basically, 25% of everything you read on social media, you better just know you need to throw it out because it's a lie. This was, this was discovered by researchers. Wait a minute, that's not true. This is very difficult for me. I've had young people come up to me after I've given my testimony. Like I, I told you the other day, I, I had a horrible childhood, beaten and abused and neglected and, and whipped and tied up and molested and ho horrible stuff. And so when I give my testimony, sometimes people come to me and say, can we talk? And of course, we love working with and counseling with people. The challenge is sometimes I have these young people that will come up to me and after I've given my testimony, 
And they begin to tell me about all the problems that they've had in their life, that their problems are having at school and at home, the depression, the suicidal tendencies, and all the struggles that they have. Mom and dad don't love me. They give me no attention or affection. But sometimes I actually, because I, sometimes I'll go, Lord, because I'm praying for wisdom. When I'm counseling with somebody, I'm like, Lord, give me wisdom because I have none. You're the great counselor. Give us wisdom here. And so sometimes I'll have this overwhelming impression it's not all as it seems. So I'll go, and I've even looked on their Facebook. And what's interesting is, I see the totally opposite person. Hmm. They're fun. They're happy. They're silly. They're successful. They're being hugged by their parents. They're high-fiving, having great vacations. And, and so it all looks good. So I have one picture in face-to-face -face communion. I have another picture on the social media platform which one do I believe? Right? I mean, I'd rather believe the face-to-face -face because I'm much better at reading people, right? And you can ask certain questions and all this type of thing, and you can hopefully discern with the Holy Spirit's work, working in your heart that, okay, let's go and let's talk about these things. And I have had young people tell me, I can't, I can't, I can't even believe I have to tell you this. I'll go, because I'll go to, to weeks of prayer at schools, academies, and I'll speak for a week, and we'll talk about all these type of subjects. And I'll have young people come to me the first day and tell me how horrible and terrible their life was. And then I'll come up to them a day or two later, and I'll say, um, you know, can you explain something to me? I went and I looked on your Facebook yesterday. And then you see, like, sometimes their eyes get, like, really big. And I'll go, yeah, I was just curious. I'm a little confused, because on there, it looks like everything's great. So what's going on? I've had them tell me what I told you was true. I'm, I'm having problems, and I didn't want anybody to know, so I'm not telling everybody out there on social media what's really going on. I've had other people tell me, I'm sorry I lied to you. Actually, I don't know why I did that. I just wanted somebody to talk to, and, and what you see on Facebook is actually real. Oh, what is going on? What's going on is that we all deeply desire real communion, but it's becoming a lost art. Hmm. Now, as I've mentioned, we are now escaping into our own virtual reality versions of ourselves or, or escaping into these avatars. You know what an avatar is, right? It's our it's an uh, icon or a figure that represents us in the virtual world or in games. So now we're escaping into these avatars that we've created. Don't you see this could be a problem? My avatar, by the way, can't lead one soul to Christ. That's me through the Holy Spirit working through me, right? And that happens with me communicating and communing with them. We are our own, we are creating our own hypocritical online world of existence, which, listen, reinforces in our thinking that we're probably all really hypocrites because the vast majority of people are putting false information out there and they're living a lie, so that means everybody else has got to be doing that too. So it really starts to undermine, is there any such thing as actual, really as truth is there, is there really anything that's tangible that, that I could sink my teeth into? I don't know. It all seems virtual to me. So when we start to evaluate this, 
How is it that this medium could not impact mental health? Do I think it's evil? No. Do I think some of the things the corporations are doing are evil? I actually do. I think it's inappropriate. You don't need to, 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 to hack my brain. You don't need to write code in there that makes me addictive. I think that is evil and inappropriate. But I don't think people that are getting online are largely doing it because they want to be evil. I don't think that they're trying to be a bunch of liars and fakers and, and all this stuff and me, 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 me. But the problem is, like we said, the medium is making us conform to it. Is it evil? No. Can we utilize it for good for God? We can. If we take God with us when we open up the screen. And sometimes our, our posts, they're just sweet and innocent. It's great. They're great. They're wonderful. The problem is that it's no longer a special event that's shared with close friends in that community. We were just sitting with, with our friends Tom and Elaine Waters yesterday, and they said, please come to our home. What were they inviting us to do? Because we had sat face to face for a little while, and we had a little bit of community and communion there, but we really wanted to spend more time together. Why? Because then that's where the relationships get deeper and more wonderful. Amen? Yeah. And she says, man, I wish we had time because I got a bunch of pictures to show you. I got grandkids, and I, you know, we were like, oh, amen. We'll have time when we come to your house in a few months. I'd rather sit there with her telling me and showing me and it being exciting and, 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 and receiving that excitement and that joy from her when she talks about her granddaughter as opposed to just, what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? She's happy she got presents. I don't know. But what's the deeper story? We don't know. It's, it's just a post with the caption. And if all we do is have our communion be posts with captions, pictures and photographs with captions, we're missing out on the beautiful blessing that God has designed for us to have. Does that make sense? Amen. <clears throat> the problem is we now share everything with everybody. So it's, no more, it's, no, it's not special anymore. Because grandma, who, who really wants to see the picture of her getting that gift that grandma made in the, whatever it may be, it's just a picture now for everybody else, and that special event is just marginalized, and your plumber, who is not a friend, who is on your Facebook, gets to share in the same intimate moment? It's no longer an intimate moment. So we're robbing ourselves of even these special times with each other. And, and now we think, this is crazy, because our, our minds are shifting, even as the digital immigrants, that... These moments are newsworthy for everybody to see. Are they? But we think they are because we have an exalted opinion of self. And then, after we post that picture that thought, that opinion, whatever it may be, we sit back and see how many people are going to respond. This is part of the whole uh, brain hacking thing, right? And this is what keeps us on our screens. This is what makes us valuable to advertisers so these big corporations can sell our eyeballs because we're on our screens and we get these advertisements that pop up. Last night, as I was sitting there, 
I was sitting there doing a little bit of research. I, I went to a Bible website to look up. I couldn't think of the actual text itself. I remember the words, but not the numbers. That's a problem I have with my brain. I, I, can, I can tell you Scripture, but I can't tell you the number. I, I hope you don't suffer with that like I do. It's frustrating. But the reality was I couldn't remember that, so I went to an Bible, online Bible website, and as I was typing in the Scripture... I had four ads pop up because I had visited an audio-video equipment website, and it knew what I was searching, and it populated an ad right here, one on the side, one on the bottom, and as I scrolled down, there was another, a fourth one down below. What was, what's this doing? It was the advertiser saying, hey, on this Bible website, this is the Bible website owner because they've allowed the ads, they're monetizing their website, right? So my eyes are on the website, for righteousness sake, and I'm being sold an item that I actually need that I search for in, on their private website. So everything is so hyper-connected that they know exactly what I want on the Bible website, and if I click, guess what happens? They get paid. Actually, just them splashing on the page, they get paid. Less, but they get paid. If I click and then go back to the thing I was already looking at, then that company's going to have to pay the Bible, the Bible website. It, it's so interconnected and hijacked, it's unbelievable. So what, we do, what do we do? We sit back, we post that picture with a caption, and it was kind of witty, and it's kind of fun, or whatever it may be, or my opinion, because my opinion's the most important on social media, and we sit back and watch to see how many people will respond. And if they don't respond the way that we think they should, we could fall into a place of frustration. We could fall into a, a place of isolation and for some, even depression. Nobody even liked my post. When we post something, we are waiting to get that little dopamine hit. Oh, look, I have 24 likes. Because we're trying to get validation from a social media website from people that aren't even really caring what we're posting. No. As a Christian, we get validation from the Word of God. Amen. We get validation from God, from the spirit of prophecy, from other like believers who believe in what you're doing and will encourage you. That's real com community. You've probably heard the idiom, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Maybe that's changed to keeping up with the Kardashians today, I'm not sure. But unfortunately, it's alive and well today in the real world and in the virtual world. And although now we look at dozens of friends, or maybe even we have hundreds, or like me, I have apparently thousands of friends, and I look at what they're posting, maybe. We look at what they're wearing. And this young girl is sitting in her room. She's a young, healthy, Christian girl, but she's on the social media at a ripe young age. She shouldn't be. And she looks, and she sees these people and her friends, her friends, and what they're wearing. And they're going, wow, I, I really wish I could dress like that. What music do they like, and what do they listen to? Yeah, well, I'm a Christian. I can't listen to that. Wait a minute, who are they hanging out with? Why didn't they ask me to, to hang out with them? And I'm suffering from FOMO, which we talked about yesterday, fear of missing out. My vacations, psh, 
Man, they're lame compared to theirs. Whoa, I am not even half the mother that she is, and, and I'm definitely not creative like her. Man, I'm not fit like that guy. I just got this, this insulation around my midsize. Man, I wish my family was that spiritual. I wish my spouse and I, that we could talk like that together. Man, my life just stinks. And so we secretly covered our neighbor's virtual life. That in many cases, friends, are only virtual versions of themselves anyway rather than the real versions of who they are. But Deuteronomy is very clear that we are on dangerous ground when we covet. And you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And you shall not desire your neighbor's house or his field or his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. And so the challenge we see is all these people are posting all of these things. And you know, for a little while there, when I first got on Facebook, I was keeping up with watching different friends and, and kids that I had met at different you know, academies or what have you. The problem was I was starting to see all the stuff that everybody was doing, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I thought we were Christians here. You're doing what? Wait a minute, didn't we talk about that? Didn't you have a conviction? Didn't you come forward and, and resign some of those things back to the Lord, uh, give it to the Lord and put it on the altar and say, no more of this? And, and three days later, we're back to it. And so I feel like I, I got a little taste of what it was like to be God. I mean, I only had a handful of friends at that point, but it was too much for my heart. God's dealing with a lot of stuff every day with all of us children, right? I don't think it's healthy for us to know what everybody's doing all the time. If anything, it could erode your fact and your, and your idea or even belief that you can overcome. As we've seen, self-promotion is at an all-time high these days. And social media are designed to promote self. But self-promotion, my friends, is spoken against in the Bible. And we're also on shaky ground. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. And some of us just shorten that say, pride goeth before a fall, right? But it says, pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. We've already seen over the last days we spent together that there are major problems on these tech platforms with promotion of self, the pride of opinion being the center of billions of people's world every day. One billion people on Facebook every single day. Two billion minimum every month. So it's only a matter of time, my friends, before I think this stuff's going to start come tumbling down. I think this virtual world is, gonna, is here to stay, but I think there's going to be such a fallout from it that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to need us to be there for them. And we all know, come on, we're, we're educated. I'm, I'm going to assume a level of knowledge here, but I think the reality is we all know that troublesome times are coming on this planet. Does anybody here believe that with me? I mean, if you read your Bible and you have the spirit of prophecy, you know we got some troublous times coming. And I'm concerned. What are these people going to do when it all comes tumbling down. I think some of them are going to lose their minds. Why? Because their minds are in there 
which is not really a place that's there. And we'll get into that in just a moment. What if we had a power grid failure? What if we lost our electricity? That would be bad enough. But you know what? I think people would be kind of resilient and kind of figure that out. But I don't know that some of these newer generations will be able to know how to survive without their tech. Because their world is not here. Their world is here. And if that here ain't working, then maybe they aren't going to be working. And if your life is wrapped up in that virtual world, and we're not, we didn't even have time to get into the virtual reality that's going on on the internet. It will blow your mind what's going on. Highly, highly inappropriate. Highly dangerous to a Christian character of what's going on. All these multiplayer platforms that are all over the world now. And, and their first-person shooter games. The war of, uh, World of Warcraft. All these different types. Second Life. There's a whole virtual reality that you can step into called Second Life to where literally you can have everything you can have on this life except the real life. You can pay with real money, though, for everything. That's kind of funny. Don't let you have the virtual money. You got to pay with real money. Why? Because I got to make money off you. So all it would take is a simple solar flare to knock out our entire power grid. And by the way, it happens about every hundred years, and we're due for one. All the scientists are saying, yep, it's probably going to happen. Not if, it's a matter of when. Do I think that'll be the end of the world? No, but I think it'll be the end of some people's world, right? So here's what I want to encourage us to be. Devoted Christians. A devoted Christian community that are solid in the truth, standing with our arms open wide to receive these disembodied people with love and real communion because after all, that's what they're really seeking. Right? Right. I don't need to provide an entertainment-laden worship service to try to attract people. That, that's just a, a, a paradigm. That's just a faulty methodology. Because, friends, I think we're going to kind of go back. No, I'm not a prophet. I'm not even the son of one. But I think we're going to go back to a basic, primitive godliness. And we might even be having Bible studies by candlelight, the analog light, if you will. What is going to happen when all of these people who are going to these media-laden, entertainment-laden churches in their life at church, entertainment, entertainment, entertainment to death, and now it's all gone? I think they're going to finally wake up. I think they'll be shaken some out of the truth, and some will be shaken in. And I want to be one of those that has answers for people who my brain is not addicted to all this tech so I can think and I can be open and perceive the Holy Spirit and allow Him to guide and lead my mind so I can be a vessel for Him to reach out and have true community with others. Amen. You know that I'm right. Because frankly, this all lines up with the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy. It's, it's logical reasoning, right? It's logical thinking. 
and supported by Bible. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Praise God. You see, my friends, it's the humble that God will use and reward with eternal life. So self must be laid in the dust. I must, he must increase, but I must what? Decrease. When you say script, I know, I preach around the world, I teach around the world, and I spend a lot of time with God's people and young people, and when you say things like this, you might as well have just slapped the, the face of these young millennials and Gen Zers. What? The whole idea of decreasing is like it's offensive to them. That's not new, by the way, on the planet. It's just much more propagated in this self-promoting era. So social media has this tendency to inflame a condition that we all struggle with, with thinking more highly of ourselves than we should. And these digital Gen Zers are deeply offended if you, stop t- if you tell them to stop thinking so egotistically about yourselves. And they think that you're down on them because you don't think they should be telling everybody how great they are. A phrase that is all too common today is, wow, I'm really proud of myself. I hear so many young people saying, I'm really proud of myself. I'm really impressed with myself, the way that I said that or I did this. And I think that's so inappropriate. In the old days, we would say, no, that's just really conceited. But if you call them on it and say, guys, you're, you're being really egotistical, conceited. No, I'm not. You're just tearing me down. And then they get all upset and offended because you're not lifting them up. You're not lifting their id, their self up. And this is why we call them snowflakes today. I didn't coin the phrase. So, I gotta, we got to get moving here. Social media's promise. Community can be found anywhere. I'm, we're just going to hit this real quick. Obviously, yesterday we talked about community, and we're going to continue with talking about community. But community, my friends, cannot be found just anywhere because... of Americans spend more time socializing on the internet than in real life. So you have 40% of Americans, they don't even even have face-to-face community anymore. It's all now uh, actually online. So let's define commune. It means to converse together with sympathy and confidence, to interchange sentiments or feelings The sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. So you see, the medium is inherently flawed because I cannot properly emote in a text. I cannot emote properly or give my deepest sentiments when it's just text on a screen. Now, there's a little bit better version of that. If I recorded a video of myself, then you could get more interpretation by my facial expressions, by my intonation and my voice, my body language. But friends, nothing replaces face-to-face. However, sometimes being online, you almost think that I'm contradicting myself, being online and communicating with that, that friend that's on the other side of the world, well, that's better than nothing, right? So I'm not here to say that that the media is all evil. We need to be careful with it and find the balance with it in our lives, right? I promise you, some of you are going to come away and say, Christian Berdahl said that we have to throw away all of our media. I've never said the word. What I did say was, you might need to take a break from it to regain control of it. 
That's what I've said. I've already had somebody tell me yesterday, I, I, I hear you, I know, you want me to throw it all away. No, that's not what I'm saying, but it could be what the Holy Spirit's saying. Could be. The conviction comes, my friend, from the Holy Spirit. Then obey. And obey today. Because today you're strong. Tomorrow you might not be so strong. And we leave things in. You see, for us to have true communion or community, you have to have two basic elements. Orality, it's called, and presence. In other words, verbal communication and my physical body there. That's how you have true communion. Being in person is always way better. However, when I've traveled around the world, when my boys were young, and they didn't come with me as they did as they got older, there were times when I really wanted to reach out. And before you could FaceTime or Skype, the only thing I could do was send an email, maybe with a couple pictures. And they would send an email back with a couple pictures. And it, it was better than nothing. And then eventually I could Skype or FaceTime with them. And I could see their faces. We could talk. We could have prayer together. We could do stories. I could show them my, my day and what I had done. That was better. But friends, nothing replaces their beautiful little faces giving me hugs and kisses. You see, the other one's connection, and it's okay. It's better than nothing, but don't settle for the better than nothing. Amen? Because the true face-to-face -face hugs and kisses, man, that's what just fills our hearts with joy. Social media is promise number four. And this is kind of funny. Listen to this. Nowhere is somewhere, and it can be anywhere. Now, what does that mean? Well... With orality, we can continue online because there are people doing videos and stuff. Now, orality, speaking and stuff, is not writing the written world because with orality, you can at least even audibly hear how the person's saying it and interpret it better. If it's on a video, you can see me, you can interpret it and hear it, and you're going to get far better um, understanding of what they're trying to say. And so, with, we can have orality online, but we don't have presence. We leave our bodies behind and then we enter into this virtual place that's not really a place. And we enter into a world that's not really a world. It's kind of an uh, interesting thought process. But see, social media tells us that we can be anywhere with anybody we want to whenever we want to, even if they're on the other side of the world. And the lie is, the promise is, that we can be intimate with them. We can have that beautiful communion with them. And we've already bared out that indeed we cannot. It's an ill-fated attempt at building communion or community. But scientifically we find something strange happens when we conceive of the digital world as a world. Sherry Turkle's book, Alone Together, she says, When a part of your life is lived in virtual places... And she references a couple of ways you can do that. It could be Second Life, which is that, that virtual online community. And I use the word community very loosely. A computer game, a, a social networking site. A vexed relationship develops between what is true and what is true there. I mean, here, true in simulation. So, it's, uh, in science, they call this seeping, okay? Seeping. And what happens is in the human mind, if you spend so much time in that virtual reality, 
then some of what you can do in that virtual world starts to seep into the real world and vice versa. So what happens is the brain can no longer distinguish if it's in it long enough. You'll start doing things that you normally wouldn't in real life, but you could in the virtual life. This is what's happening with a lot, not all, with a lot of our young people who are playing first-person shooter games and then they're picking up the real thing in real life and mowing down their schoolmates. Conclusive evidence of this happening. Why? It's just how the brain works. It doesn't understand the difference between the virtual and the real anymore. That can't happen. Go study it. Your eyeballs will bug out your head. Facebook and social media, they subtly reinforce the idea that our bodies or presence is not needed and that we can leave our bodies behind and we can spend time together online. It's just not true. So the problem is, if we on average, and we looked at the numbers before, are spending between 7 and 13 hours a day in social media playing games or living in virtual life, then there must be some place that we are not. And that's in our real lives, right? I mean, our time and our thoughts and our attention is being hijacked. And you wonder why you can't get stuff done? You wonder why the house is still a mess? You wonder why that project you started 25 years ago is still not done? Why? Because we're investing our time into something that means nothing in a place that's nowhere. Isn't that weird? There was a, a cartoon that came out not long ago where it had all these robots running things and people were big fat things, blobs, laying on chairs and they were living in a virtual world. And I remember thinking to myself, That'll never happen. Oh, it's already happening! Crazy, 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 crazy! But you know, God created us physical and tangible because God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul, tangible bodies, embraceable, huggable. When we think about our great-grandparents, Adam and Eve, and the temptation and the fall, we can actually liken them to the technological media that we have surrounded ourselves with today. Because when they ate the fruit, what happened? The eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed a fig leaf together and made themselves loincloths. Shame came to them, and they worked to hide their shame and fear. And friends, we're doing it digitally today. I wonder now, is social media with the ability to post this picture and to make that comment and to like that thing. And, and now I can present an ideal avatar of me and so shield myself from disdain from my peers. I wonder if social media are the new leaves that we sew together, that we use to cover our shame and to present to the world our false coverings, our false facades, our fake versions of ourselves. I don't think anything's changed. We're just using a different methodology. In Turkle's book, we find another powerful thought. I'm having to skip over a lot of info. When technology engineers 
Let me reread that. When technology engineers intimacy, relationships can be reduced to mere connections. And then easy connection becomes redefined as intimacy. And this is the reality for the digital natives of today. It's all about me and self-promotion. The problem is, friends, when I'm focused on me, I'm not focused on others that need me to help them. Friends, we need to be careful not to fall into the traps of shameless self-promotion. We need to have true community, true communion with others. We all know the scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. Love is patient, it's kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking, is easily, not easily angered, and keeps no records of wrong. And friends, this seems like what social media has become already. When you look at Paul, he actually wanted to actually come together. He said, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner is of some on Facebook, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day of approaching. And then Paul said, you know what? I'd rather be face to face with you than even write to you. He says, having many things to write unto you, I would rather not be on social media. I'd rather not write with paper and ink. And that used to be the hip way, by the way, of, of getting some stuff out there was using the social media. He says, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face. Why? That our joy might be full. You see, when we're face to face, that's when we experience true joy. God so loved the world that he gave his son, and his son came here. And not only that, but he made himself of no reputation, and he took on the form of a servant. He was made physical so he could be with his people. He understood true communion. My hope, my friends, is that we become a generation that questions technology, that chooses to fight for friendships and relationships, keeping true communion with each other alive, that we shall endeavor to use these technologies as a means to glorify God. I'm not saying throw them out unless it's a problem in your life. Social media can be a great tool in the hands of surrendered, humble people of God, a tool However, in its current state of use, that must be subdued, and by God's grace, we will not be subdued by it. The devil wants to distract us away from God, and he's doing a great job at it. He wants to fool us into accepting a weak form of connection, leaving behind holy communion with each other and our loving God. He wants to break up the family of God. He knows that we are much more vulnerable when we are holed up in our rooms, lonely and empty. Friends, the devil is playing for keeps, but so is my Jesus. He's playing for keeps. Let's let him capture our hearts. Let's promote him and not self. As Christians, we can choose to be different than the world. We can choose these technologies to further the gospel commission that's been laid at our feet. Don't get wrapped up in arguments and debate. Neither has ever won a soul to Christ. The world has been bullied and cyberbullied by Satan and his cronies long enough. It's time that we as Christian, as a Christian community, take a stand to heal a world that has been deeply spiritually wounded. But it will take deep, thoughtful communication, communication that leads to deeper interpersonal communion with each other. That is what the world needs. This is what they truly desire, something that's real, something that's tangible. 
They're empty hearts, my friends. They, they are, they're aching for healing. So let's lead them to Jesus Christ, the healing balm of Gilead. Amen? Are you with me? Are you going to stand on the side of the Lord and not let all of this virtual life take you over while we neglect the real life that we have? I'm going to go over a couple things here for the sake of those who are listening in and watching the videos, but I will leave this here as a stack of, we have, it's called Resources for Managing Technology. Please, each one of you take one. There's enough maybe for each family to have one here. I'll leave them there for you. And basically, we give you some tips on what to do to help manage your technology. And then, we, if you look up on the screen, you can see here are some different apps and extensions that you can avail yourself to. Moment, by the way, it's for iOS. See how much time you're actually spending on your phone. That's a great evaluation tool. Um, inbox, when ready, focus your inbox only by showing messages. You click show inbox instead of getting distracted as new emails arrive all the time. Thrive is only on Android. You can set boundaries with your phone for set periods of time. In fact, uh, I hear that uh, Apple just released, I think it might be in their new OS or it's coming, that some of these parameters are coming to where it will help curb how much online time you have. You, you set the parameters, but it's a good way to do that. Freedom, temporary block specific websites or apps on your desktop, tablet, or phone for a set period of time. So if you're having issues with certain things, certain websites, use an app like this or an extension like this that will help you manage your tech life. Rescue time. See how much time you spend on different apps on your desktop along with various websites. Some of us don't realize just how many, uh, many minutes and hours we're wasting away every single day. And then there's a whole bunch more. I'm just going to put it up there. If you have a phone, take a quick snapshot of it. It is here on this sheet of paper for you. Also, I'll invite you to go to our website, shepherdscall.com. We will be putting these resources up on our website, www.shepherdscall.com. If you'd like to sign up for our website, uh, our email list, or our snail mail list, they're right here. And as promised, the ABC is here. They're in the back. And if you'd like to avail yourselves of our music seminar or anything else we have, we have it back there for you. I hope this seminar has made sense. Anybody learn some new things? Praise God. Anybody convicted that you need to make some changes? Praise God. A little bit less of you, but that's okay. God will continue working with us. Let's have a closing prayer together. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come and reason together in the scriptures, in science, in the industry leaders, the tech insiders, for us to be able to see what's really going on. Lord, I do not want my brain hacked anymore. I do not want that, that addiction code in my brain. I don't want my soul hijacked. Lord, I pray that you would please help us each one to make righteous decisions. May we surrender to you and your will for our lives. Not my will, Father, but your will be done in my life. I pray that you would bless the rest of this camp, those that are coming here this weekend. Lord, give them traveling mercies, and may we experience not just a, a surface connection with each other, but a deep, abiding communion with us, within each one of us. Father, I pray that you would give us this deep Christian community that we desire. And Father, I pray that you would help us to esteem others better than ourselves and help us to be a blessing and to be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.